Welcome to FinCast, the Financial Integrity Network's podcast series. I'm Juan Zarate, Chairman and Co-Founder of Fin. Welcome back. On this special episode, we have an exclusive interview with Danny McGlynn, the new Senior Vice President for Fin, and the former Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Office of Intelligence and Analysis at the Treasury Department. This is going to be a great interview to hear from Danny about his background, his experience, and what he's doing now at FIT. Why isn't the administration moving harder on sanctions? There's more of a military solution to this than most terrorist financing issues. Organizational structures as a key component for helping to develop confidence. White knights of illicit finance are a myth. They don't really exist. It's a direct attack on the on the money laundering vulnerability. President Putin's reaction to any of these allegations in the past has been prove it. Welcome back to FinCast. Danny McGlynn, welcome to uh, to your first podcast. Thanks, Juan. Really uh, excited to be here. This is fantastic. We've been talking about this interview for some time. The, the moment that Danny McGlynn said he wanted to join Finn was a great moment for the organization. Um, and we, we knew that we wanted to get a podcast uh, interview in to talk through what is a remarkable career at the Treasury Department. 20 years uh, of work at the Treasury Department, starting first at the Office of Foreign Assets Control, then working as the Treasury Liaison to CENTCOM down in Tampa, to ultimately be the senior most civil servant uh, in the Office of Intelligence and Analysis at the Treasury Department, and now a senior vice president with us at Finn. So, Danny, it's really a, an honor and a privilege to be working with you again and to, uh, to have you as a part of the Finn team. Thanks, Juan. Uh, really appreciate that uh, kind introduction. Uh, it was a uh, an incredible run uh, of twenty of, of twenty years, uh, but I'm so excited to be uh, here, part of the K two Fin family. Danny, you you just joined Fin, and uh, it's important for listeners to know we're recording this uh, remotely. We're in the age of physical distancing. Uh, we hope the listeners are safe and well. You and your family members are surviving this dislocation uh, relatively well. So Dan Danny, a lot of people don't know what the Office of Intelligence and Analysis is, and they don't realize that it's the only intelligence and analysis office in any finance ministry around the world created when we created the Office of Terrorism and Financial Intelligence. Can you give listeners a, a, a glimpse into what that office is about and what you did uh, for OIA? Sure. Happy to do that. Uh, we actually like to be probably the, the lesser known part of uh, TFI because OIA is uh, officially part of the U.S. intelligence community. Uh, it's one of 17 components of the of the IC. Uh, and uh, we re report to the to the DNI uh, and at the same time is also part of one of five components of Treasury's office of terrorism and financial intelligence reporting to the undersecretary for TFI. So OIA's mission, plainly put, is to support the intelligence and counterintelligence needs of the Department of the Treasury. And, and Danny, how, how how wide was that function? Obviously, people listening to this podcast understand the role of Treasury and national security with sanctions. They wondering, uh, may know a bit about the role of Treasury and CFIUS, but can you explain the expanse of that intelligence role for the Treasury Department? Yep, absolutely. So uh, most of my time at OIA was, was on the intelligence research and analysis side of the house. And so we were responsible for everything 
from preparing the daily intelligence read books uh, for treasury officials to providing intelligence briefings and analytic products to the treasury, to the NSC and to other U.S. government officials. Um, OIA really has some of the world's top subject matter experts on terrorist financing, transnational organized crime, money laundering and illicit finance, and on understanding the real and potential impact of sanctions on regimes like Iran and North Korea. And so in my roles throughout the time at, at, at OIA, you referenced uh, some of my uh, later roles as acting assistant secretary uh, and uh, the deputy assistant secretary for analysis and production. But I spent a lot of time as the uh, Middle East and Europe, Europe office director and also uh, uh, as the office director in charge of Iraq issues. So, Danny, when, when the movies depict analysts looking at all sources of intelligence and information, trying to understand financial trails, following the money, understanding bad guys' networks, um, your office and this office did a, a good chunk of that kind of work, right? Absolutely. Uh, we, we call it all-source analysis. Uh, so we're looking at uh, intelligence information, law enforcement information, open source information, and of course, financial intelligence, uh, including uh, information supplied by financial institutions through suspicious activity reports, et cetera. Now, Danny, you, both in the role um, as basically intelligence chief there at Treasury, as well as uh, the work that you did at OFAC as a compliance specialist and investigator, um, you saw the evolution of Treasury over the course of, of many years. And, and you, I think, presided over more terrorist financing designations than anyone I know. Um, can, <laughs> you talk, can you talk a little yeah. bit about how, how that work unfolded, the work against terrorist groups, and um, how your role evolved over time? Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was uh, just like you. I was in the, in the Treasury building on 9-11. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, uh, on the morning of 9-11, I remember watching uh, on a small television outside of the OFAC director's office uh, in disbelief when the second tower was struck. Uh, as you know and have and have wrote about, uh, Treasury played a major role in our nation's response to 9-11. Uh, less than two weeks after 9-11, President Bush issued Executive Order 13224, targeting al-Qaeda and its support networks and other terrorist groups. Uh, and in parallel, Treasury also established something called the Foreign Terrorist Asset Tracking Group back then. And so I volunteered to be part of that group. Uh, and spent many long days, nights, and weekends culling through uh, intelligence, uh, just like we talked about earlier, uh, to map out uh, whatever information we had about Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda's financial and other support networks, and helping to compile administrative records that would serve as the evidentiary packages uh, supporting Treasury designations targeting al-Qaeda and associates. And so I did that uh, for a number of years uh, uh, post 9-11. That's uh, that's remarkable, and and Danny, you you saw the evolution, the maturity of that from the the, the smoldering days post nine eleven to uh, the institutions that were created, the DNI you mentioned, the National Counterterrorism Center, obviously the Office of Terrorism and Financial Intelligence. When you left Treasury, um, how how were we using those same kinds of tools? How did how did we evolve in the use of targeted sanctions? Um, and the use of financial intelligence. Yeah, and we, uh, 
we really did evolve. We, uh, we came a long way. I think from those early days, uh, when I first began working with the intelligence community back then, uh, the intelligence, uh, uh, we worked with was not sort of collected for the purposes of supporting treasury. Uh, they were collected for other reasons and we just happened to be interested in it. And sort of over time, I'd say, uh, a couple things, uh, that I witnessed. Uh, one was uh, a significant increase in integration. So both uh, integration between TFI components, so OIA, OFAC, TFFC, our policy shop, and, and FinCEN, uh, over time becoming more integrated, and also OIA over time becoming more integrated uh, with the intelligence community. And so that resulted over time in, in dramatic positive results uh, in communication, teamwork, collaboration, uh, and overall, better performance and mission ex execution that benefited our nation. And of course, and of course, I'd also say um, over time, we saw the increase in demand for the use of Treasury tools like those that we used against Al Qaeda and its support networks post 9-11. Uh, but over time, really uh, having an increase in demand for this tool, uh, an expanded use of it, uh, an increase in sophistication in the way TFI and the U.S. government uh, as a whole approach sanctions uh, in a smarter way, uh, and I think, and I think that was uh, a, the, a, in large part due uh, our sanctions became smarter because we can't became better and better about collecting and analyzing the intelligence uh, that supported those sanctions. It's a great point, and and Danny, uh, I assume part of this as well was greater breadth of issues that were of interest to those not only at Treasury, but in the intelligence community that required financial intelligence, whether it was information about the North Korean senior leadership and regime and how they made money or moved money, what Iran was doing and how sanctions were affecting, how to impact the Russian economy without getting back on European dependence on Russian oil and gas. There was a whole kind of broader spectrum of issues that implicated financial intelligence in your office. Is that is that a fair assessment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. To the point where you, it's hard to find a national security issue uh, these days, such as those that you mentioned, where, where Treasury Department is, is not turned to as sort of the tool of, of choice. And, be, and so uh, in each case on all of those programs, uh, we, we, we have intelligence research specialists at OIA who perform that kind of analysis. And over time, uh, most notably, we've, we, we combined it with the use of bulk financial data. And then in some of those programs, like you mentioned, integrated it with, with economic analysis. And over time, really provided policymakers, both at Treasury Department and elsewhere, to, to gain better insight into the impact of sanctions, uh, both actual and potential sanctions, and really were able to bolster their ability to, mark, to make smarter decisions, to be more effective in pressure, pressure campaigns such as with Iran and North Korea. Danny, um, this is a question about the intelligence community, both internal to the US government and then internationally. In the first instance, by the time you left government, were, were there was there a general acceptance of Treasury's role in this space, or were there still kind of questions or antibodies toward the office and your role and function? On the other hand, did you see an evolution internationally to counterparts in finance ministries uh, or justice ministries or other parts of governments that were having to react to the kinds of intelligence and products you were putting out and the things that you were able to do on behalf of the Treasury Department? 
Yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I, I think early on it was it was we faced a big challenge in, in becoming sort of an accepted member of the intelligence community. Uh, but we came, we've come a long way, especially with the establishment of the uh, office of the director of national intelligence, who really uh, uh, and and, a, and some pretty incredible leadership, I, I must say, uh, at, at OIA. Uh, uh, we've had three assistant secretaries in the history of the organization. All have sort of been career uh, CIA women uh, who were highly respected and who helped us uh, over time mature as an organization and really become. Uh, an accepted part of the community. And then I, I think the second part of your question uh, in terms of how we worked with the international community, like you, you mentioned before, there, we're the only finance ministry in the world with, with, with a, an intelligence shop uh, built in. And so it's hard to find your counterparts around the world, but you, you, you work both with uh, uh, Treasury's efforts to build bridges overseas and through the U.S. intelligence community uh, partnerships around the world. And, and we really were able to make a lot of headway also because uh, we don't have all of the information all, and all of the answers. And in a lot of these issues, we're reliant on our foreign partners' um, access uh, and information. So I think, I think we've, we did come a long way. And, and I think we, we saw, I saw in other countries uh, as we were meeting with them as part of TFI, uh, they the other countries stepping up to the challenge and trying to do a better job of sharing information and collaborating between different parts of their government that historically didn't didn't work together closely. Danny, let me ask you a question, especially for listeners that are curious. You've seen uh, uh, more than most people will, will ever imagine in the space of illicit finance. Um, what are some interesting things that um, the bad guys did or lessons learned um, about uh, illicit financial flows that you think might be interesting for a, a, an audience like ours? Well, I think maybe I'll give you a, a story or two about some of the some of the cases I worked on. Would that Please. Be, uh, so, well, one, one in particular, sort of, um, as I alluded to, the you know the work we did post 9/11, we 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 really learned a lot. Uh, about how Al Qaeda and other terrorist groups were funded, uh, we, un we we uncovered a lot of different networks, including including Hawala networks. So one in particular that stood out uh, was the the Al Barakat network, uh, which Barakat meaning blessings in Arabic, uh, was considered sort of at the time one of the largest uh, remittance systems operating in Somalia and 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 across the world, including in the United States. Somali citizens would use Al Barakat to move money back to their families, but unbeknownst to them, uh, the individual who was running Al Barakat, uh, Ahmed Jamali, uh, has had a close association with uh, Osama bin Laden and would use a portion of the, the profits for moving all of that money to fund Al Qaeda. And so um, in the wake of 9-11, within, within a two or three months, uh, that, was, that was one sort of, one of our first big designations was, was working on that support network. In, in, in fact, uh, President, I remember President Bush coming out to our spaces, uh, along with Secretaries O'Neill and Powell and Attorney General Ashcroft, to announce to announce that particular designation of of the Al Barakat network of Jamali and their associates. I remember that. I remember that vividly. Remember that? And, yeah, there was a, it was a big, big visit, and it was meant to demonstrate 
um, how intently the U.S. government was focusing on financial networks and how uh, those networks would be disrupted, however grand, however global, um, however they're operating, if they were supporting al-Qaeda in any form or fashion, they would be shut down. And that was that was the intended message and certainly the effect of that set of targeted designations. And you were right in the middle of that, Danny, I remember. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and from there, we, we again, had a lot of different actions from there, uh, uh, going after sort of the deep pocket donors and the, and the front companies and the, the non-governmental organizations that were used, sometimes directly and sometimes indirectly uh, by, by, these, by these donors to support uh, these terrorist groups around the world. Yeah. Danny, you've seen a lot of great people. You've worked with a lot of great people. You've led a lot of great teams. Um, can you just reflect back on the people you've worked with? I think one of the things you and I have noted before is that the, the early crop of professionals at OFAC, uh, many of whom were hired by Rick Newcomb, then the OFAC director, uh, were just an all-star class of, of folks, including folks that you know were working with me at, at the Treasury Department. But can you reflect back on the on the young talent that uh, emerged out of those days, and certainly the teams that you were leading at OIA? Sure, sure. And some of them, some of them are still still there today. Uh, I remember a- Alex Manful uh, was was one of the folks who who hired me on and mentored me. He's been with OFAC uh, compliance for many years, as well as uh, doing stints with the private in, in the private sector, uh, and he's still there now. But but we saw a tremendous amount of talent. Uh, through the years, one one story I'll, I'll give you on that is um, uh, I started off at OFAC. I was a presidential management intern, and so uh, I was able to do rotations uh, to the State Department and their sanctions office, and uh, to the Commerce Department and their international uh, tr- trade uh, trade center. And so there were I was only there for about three or four months, but I met five other PMIs at Commerce who would eventually uh, come over to Treasury, TFI, uh, and form sort of an all-star team. It's names you probably know, like Sarah Rungi, Brian Grant, Hans Huber, Jessica Brinkman, and, and Rachel Turner. Uh, some of them have gone out now to, to work in financial crimes compliance for major global banks. Uh, Rachel is still, still at OIA, is the director of uh, illicit finance. But that's just a, a, a small sample of um, uh, the incredible yeah. amount of talent, as you know, uh, that TFI was able to, to attract uh, in, at the staff level as, as well as the leadership. Yeah, and I remember at OFAC, you were you were a young rising star. Jen Fowler was, yes, was there. Right. Uh, Howard Mendelson. Yeah. Um, uh, just a whole host of, of great folks who, who took on greater leadership roles at Treasury and then obviously have gone on to uh, to great things on their own. Denny, let's let's pivot now to to current affairs. You've jumped to to work with us at Finn, which was a huge honor for us and a and a great privilege and certainly good for our clients. Um, you're you've been given the task of running what we call the dedicated online financial integrity network. Um, can you explain what that is and why you left government to take on this job? Sure. So um, Dolphin, uh, I'm the senior vice president for, for Dolphin. I'm thrilled to be part of the K2Fin team. And it's, it's an exciting place in many ways. Uh, you know, the, the talent and the dedication 
uh, to the mission is in, is very much like it like it like it is in TFI, and that was part of the attraction, uh, not only to stay in this space, but to be able to to be to be able to be a part of the team that's pulling together this this platform, which we envision to be the premier online working environment for those working on counter illicit finance and financial crimes uh, compliance. And so uh, the, basic, the, the basic idea is, is taking the years and years of experience and training developed by you and Danny and Chip and the broader K2 Fin team and sort of bring it all together in one easily accessible and digestible online platform uh, and uh, keep it regularly updated with new content uh, both written and visual. And so um, that's Dolphin in a nutshell. I'm, ha I'm happy to sort of build on that and explain the various different features that, that, that we have now and that we're envisioning. Well, no, thank you, Danny. I, I think it might be helpful in part because, you know, this was really visionary on the part of Chip um, in building this and then you coming on board to take it to the next level. I think the idea was really to, to take the platforms and the content that we had built for uh, clients that were working with us uh, for training and for whom we were training um, and to try to expand not only the content, but also the capabilities and the offerings from a training and testing and certification perspective. But it's become a lot more than that. And I think in this period where uh, we are now connected uh, remotely and have to work remotely and have to train remotely and can't travel as much, um, it was a prescient move to to work on this, to invest in it, you know, back two and a half, three years ago when Chip and we started this project and, and now that you've come on board. So I think it's it's important for people to know that there's a lineage to this platform and now it's ready to go. And thankfully with you, um, it's 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 uh, it's maturing in a way that's really exciting to see. So it might be worth just a, a minute or two to let people know. What are the what are the prime features and why should we be excited about it? Sure, ha happy to. And you're right. This this is sort of Chip's vision, and I'm just excited to be here and help help implement it. But the the backbone, what I call the backbone of this platform is is we've been able to put together one of the most comprehensive libraries of reference material in the world on anti financial crime issues. So it's got about ten chapters, and it's grown on anti money laundering, sanctions, sanctions evasion techniques anti-corruption anti and bribery, uh, lessons learned from enforcement actions over the years. Uh, it's got about 50 videos and graphics, nearly a thousand hyperlinks to original sources like FATF documents. And that's just in the, in the library. And so we have a, we have a whole hub of uh, information that focuses on the latest developments uh, in the world of illicit finance. Uh, and we do this in the form of sort of written policy alerts, podcasts like this one, uh, as well as your famous Chairman's Corner videos. and uh, <laughs> Hardly, hardly. Yeah, and live and recorded uh, webinars as well. And as you mentioned, we, we uh, have a training center that's part of it with an array of different courses uh, developed and delivered by K2 and FIN instructors uh, historically through the years in person uh, and now could be tailored for inter enterprise customers online, uh, complete with testing and certification services, as well as a, a, a toolkit uh, designed with compliance officers and risk managers in mind to help them do their jobs, uh, like a red flags database, a sanctions heat map, and a fin query function where you get to actually ask questions to K2 fin experts. Phenomenal description. And um, Danny, I couldn't imagine anybody better to to drive Dolphin and to build it 
given your background and experience, uh, especially running intelligence functions for the for the Treasury Department. Thank you, Danny. Um, maybe to close out, you know, one thing that the listeners may want to know is that not only when you left government did you come to work at Finn, but you also published a book. Uh, a memoir of sorts. That's right. Uh, called "A New Hope: My Journey from the Hood and Vision for America." Yes, which is, uh, it's a it's an ambitious title and <laughs> one that obviously uh, demonstrates some reflection on your part. You want to tell the listeners why you wrote the book and what the book's about? Sure, ha- happy to. So, um, yeah, it, it it all. I I I never thought I'd be writing a book, and so it all stemmed. Uh, from going through the longest uh, federal government shutdown in our nation's history. Uh, when that happens to you as a leader of a workforce uh, and a work family that you care about, uh, it, it really sort of, um, uh, you know, it, it, I got to spend a lot of time reflecting about how we got here, how I got here, and, and about my career. Uh, and you mentioned the uh, my journey from the hood. I, 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 I was sort of Born and raised in in a, in a high crime, low income area, and so uh, uh, really, the memoir was a chance to sort of reflect back at, at what life was like in in, in Opalaka where I grew up, and and my sort of uh, road uh, from 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 Opalaka onward uh, through college, uh, and eventually grad school, and and, and eventually uh, to the Treasury Department, and then it, and it and it allowed me to tell the story in, in great detail about what it was like uh, working at Treasury. And it truly was uh, uh, an, an exciting, impactful journey. Uh, and I think a lot, of, a lot of Americans think about federal, uh, the federal government, think about public service. And um, I, I don't think, I'm pretty sure what comes to mind is not the experience that I've had, that you've had, and a lot of people at TFI have had. So I really, I wanted to tell that story uh, as a way to hopefully motivate uh, a new generation of, of public servants, and uh, and and it was uh, and, and it's also a nice token to have uh, uh, for my kids and, and my family and friends. Yeah, it was a great moment for it, Danny. I, Danny, um, just reflecting on your book and and also your your great career, which has started a new chapter. Um, what would you say is a, a lesson for the listeners, young or old, um, about? What you've learned in the workforce, what you've learned as a as a manager, as a leader, um, going through different phases of your career. What's what's an important lesson or two you want people to to know about? Sure, and and you know, I, and I spent some time. It's probably my longest chapter in the book is called "Learning to Lead." And so, when 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 you're in these positions for this long, I, I really feel like I learned a lot, both from uh, going through some of the experiences I did a, as a leader, but also. Um, by 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 observing uh, great leaders uh, like yourself and and, and many others, uh, Stuart, Thank you, Stuart Levy, Thank you. Uh, David Cohen, uh, and the list just goes on uh, uh, on and on. But but you know one of the common uh, themes I think uh, and lessons learned as I look back, you know TFI has such an incredible mission, uh, just like K two Fin does, and um, getting that mission done is extremely important, and you learn to really care about it. But then, learning to care even more about the people carrying carrying out that mission, um, and so it's it's leading through compassion, uh, leading with with uh, expressing gratitude to your workforce, and really caring and caring in a way that you could have influence on on helping people throughout their careers through different 
uh, career development opportunities, training, et cetera. And i um, thrilled to just take all of those lessons learned and, and sort of bring it, bring it with me to, to, to K2Fin and to work with you and Danny and Chip uh, to, 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 to um, who I know have developed a very similar positive, positive culture in, in our organization. And so um, anyway, that, that's, that's, those are one or two things that I'd say upon reflection. Thank you, Danny. Um, I really appreciate what you said, not only about me personally, but about Finn and um, what we've all built together, mm -hmm. uh, both in government and outside of government, and the focus on mission and people, which I think is something we take great pride in. So appreciate it. I also want to thank you, Danny, not only for the t time today, but for the, the positive message you just um, conveyed, especially at a time of certain uncertainty. Uh, in the marketplace, uh, people may be worried about their jobs, uh, employers thinking about how to lead through crisis. Mm -hmm. um, your example is a great one. Your book is is probably a, a, an important guide at this moment. And um, it's great to have you on our team and to be working with you. Again. Thanks, Juan. I, I, I truly appreciate it. And I truly appreciate the opportunity to get up and and, and work on these issues with you and the, and, and the K2Fin team every day. That's awesome, Danny. Well, that's it for this exclusive interview with Danny McGlynn and this episode of FinCast. We hope you enjoyed it. Join us soon for our next episode. We're going to bring out more uh, FinCast more quickly, more often, especially as people have more time at home, more time to reflect. We hope you listen to FinCast. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to FinCast. We hope you join us for future episodes. Have a great day.